0: Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran and I will be talking today about the freedom model. We're going to talk about why we really recommend you read the entire book um, prior to making a lifelong decision. And also, um, if you're going to read the book and you're struggling, perhaps abstinence would be best while you're reading through the freedom model. We wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions, escape the treatment and recovery trap and the Freedom Model for the family to help people to learn how they can solve addiction for good and move on with their lives. We offer an incredible opportunity to work with us directly in private one-on-one classes. You can learn about all of our products at thefreedommodel.org. Okay, so there was a a post this morning in our group that um, inspired us to want to do this this podcast and I think this is something we haven't really talked about uh, before like in a podcast or a Facebook live or anything I
1: I think we've mentioned it but that's it
0: yeah yeah let me let me see let me find it okay here is here's the post and um, it's from a group member this is a private group Uh, we're not going to say anyone's name but uh, this is this is what this person said I've been reading the freedom model I read the first four chapters, then chapters 17 onwards. I'm worried that despite this, I'm still drinking heavily and I feel rough. Today, I'm horribly hungover. I realize this is a choice. I don't have a disease. I think the freedom model speaks the truth, but I'm so desperate to stay sober, I'm reconsidering AA sponsorship. Should I read chapters 4 through 17 that I missed? Will that help? I'm so worried. Um, and, uh, all right, Mark, what w- what is your answer to this?
1: Well... F- First, um, I'm not sure he he read the preface, you know, because <laughs> um, why don't you read on page, I think it's 12, is that, do I have that right? Yes. All right, at the bottom of page 12, what did we write? <laughs> we wrote, this is in the preface. This is, the, obviously, this is the intro. This the is <laughs> the very <laughs> <The> first thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Before you begin reading this book, we make one suggestion. Read the entire book before you make a lifelong decision about your substance use. If you have any vestige of fear or lack of confidence in your inherent ability to moderate or stop your addiction, then complete abstinence is the only safe option for you at this moment. Once you know the truth that you are free to choose, you can make sound decisions and with a mind that Devoid of fear, and and I, I don't want to pick on this person because I genuinely think this is common. Oh yeah, I, you know I yeah. think I think a lot of people uh, read through the debunking chapters of addiction, the first you know chapters one, two, and three, and think, oh yeah, this makes perfect
1: sense. Yeah, I think that um the the first three chapters are data heavy. Yeah, they were designed to explain why the overall macro industry of recovery uh, and the concept of addiction as a compelled behavior is wrong and we do a good job of, of pulling that apart but then but the rest of the book really is about how you personally apply that knowledge and and if you only read the first three chapters and then a couple of uh, chapters, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, whatever. Um, you're, you're missing a whole heaping amount of information. We're talking hundreds of pages of, of other data and really the self-help portion of the book. So, um, so you can't make an educated decision, uh, without having that knowledge. See, here's the deal. The recovery model is, is built on fear. Its whole model is motivated that there's a nebulous force called addiction out there that uh, has it out for you and that your brain chemistry is conspiring against you. And it's a, it's a strange way of looking at things, but uh, if you believe it, it's terrifying. It's this idea that there is this force that controls you and you don't have any stake in the game except for hiding away in some support network um, or some method that's going to prop you up, um, which ironically in this case, this fella was like, you know, maybe I should go back to AA, and I he actually started back down that path of getting a sponsor, as if a sponsor will stop him from doing something he wants to do. So he missed the whole point of the Freedom Model, which is, an internal model, not an external one. The recovery model is predicated on that nebulous force outside of you that's external to you, that attacks you, that you battle with. Um, and the freedom model demonstrates that all decision-making is internal to the individual, that you are the one in control and always have been. So he, he doesn't obviously know that. He doesn't know that it's internal to him. He doesn't know uh, any of that obviously, if he's now going to see addiction as happening to him and also the need for a sponsor to prop him up and stop him from doing what he wants to do. So with all that said, uh, if he wants to move on with his life um, and really understand what it means to be free, he's got to have the information to do that.
0: Well, and uh- one of the other group members, uh, there were some great responses to for him. And one of the other group members said, the book builds on itself. Um, and you really do need each part of it. And that is absolutely true. I mean, the, yes, the first few chapters. And when you read it intellectually, it makes perfect sense that, oh, I'm not powerless. I'm not addicted. But a lot of people will get through those first few chapters and still keep that mindset of being an alcoholic or an
1: addict and they they there's still some doubt there and and the, the the idea that there is a group of people who can't drink or can't moderate or can't control themselves is still thick right you know it's it's it hasn't been addressed at all i mean Really, you have to go all the way through the book plus the appendices, and right. the, the appendix that deals with loss of control is a massive one, or the brain disease. Here's the problem. Most people don't know just how deeply entrenched they are in the recovery model just from culture. Exactly. Exactly. You know, maybe they haven't, they think to themselves, well, I haven't been to rehab like these other people, or I haven't been an AA for five years like this other guy. So I'm not that steeped in this model, you know, this recovery thing. And, and, uh, but the reality is they're full believers because the culture is, it pushes it everywhere, you know? So they don't even realize how deep they are. And then all of a sudden they're shit faced and they're going, this didn't work. This freedom model didn't work.
0: Right, it didn't work for me, and I'm gonna have to go back to AA, which I hate to. And, um, and so, so what I what I said in my response was, um, well the the whole, like the, what the linchpin of the freedom model, what I think is the most important part is chapter seven. It is you have to know exactly why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and so, so the positive drive principle, it's this idea, my guess is he was probably trying to, to motivate himself to reduce his drinking um, by fear of consequences, Yeah, which is the human model, apparently, <laughs> because that's what everybody tries to do. It doesn't work. That's why AA didn't work for him, um, you know, and so he missed out on, you know, knowing what motivates him which is the pursuit of happiness and then figuring out how happy he really is doing what he's doing
1: yeah yeah it's 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 that and then there's this idea of how much fear you have of alcohol and drugs right right um if you if you sit around and you think to yourself oh god if i'm gonna drink i'm i'm gonna have 12 if i have one i'm gonna have 12 um then that's all AA speak you know that's not reality Um, but it becomes your reality if you believe that's what's needed to be happy so we're gonna circle back around to the positive drive principle what is that that's the pursuit of happiness right the idea that you're always making decisions based on benefits or something that will make you happier that's what motivates the human psyche that's what motivates you to act in some way or behave in some way or make choices so why is that important with drinking it's important because we are so distracted by all this language that makes it sound like your choices are beyond your control by some nebulous force called addiction this shiny object out there in in space um, that we forget that we're the ones in control we're the ones making the choice to get wasted we're the ones that are making an internal uh, pursuit of happiness driven choice To drink alcohol or to take drugs Um, and that's hard for people that have been taught in our culture that they shouldn't want to get high or that they should look at all the nasty dirty things they've done while drunk and that they're bad people for doing so 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 we're taught we're trained to act as if this is something that's beyond our control because we look only at the bad side of it we ignore the benefits what we perceive as benefits like stress relief or anxiety relief or dealing with trauma or whatever it might be. Now we challenge all those benefits and, and show that it doesn't actually alcohol and drugs don't actually help with those things. But that's that's again another topic that has to be broached. So there's all this this massive amount of misinformation that people have. They walk around this earth and they're mystified as to why they continue to drink and drug that's why the book is 469 pages Mm -hmm. that's why because we have a complete and total addiction slash recovery religion that is based in myth and magic and it has to be destroyed it has to be completely destroyed with facts and if you don't do that there's going to be some vestige of that mythology that becomes a motive for happiness and you will drink and drug, trying desperately to be happy again doing that.
0: You know, there is also the the topic of habit, right? So one of the reasons that we recommend that people, if you're really drinking in a way that is damaging to your health, that's damaging to your relationships, that's, that's negatively impacting your life, that is why we recommend a period of abstinence because you know, if your habit is every time you drink, you get drunk. And so it's, you know, the, the AAs is like one drink, one drunk. Th- it, that doesn't have to be that way. But if it's your habit, and you've got this habit where you really prefer intoxication, but you're at the point where you're not sure, you, you know, you're like, it makes me sick. And you look at the, the negative consequences of it, and you're thinking, I don't even like it anymore. Um, abstain. Abstain for a period of time and and really figure out what you like about it, because there is something. And so when when people get when we get people, we're talking to them, and and they're like, I don't. There's nothing. There's nothing I like about it anymore. I always ask. Okay, then abstain, and then figure out what you miss about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what happens is they get drunk and then they say, see, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Because they're looking at the second half. Always. The, they're, they've are they been trained to look at the bad side, which is the fact that you feel like shit. You're hungover. Uh, work was calling for three days while you were in the hotel drunk um, and you feel guilty and you, didn't, and you lied to your kids and they found out and your marriage is on the rocks. You look at all that stuff, ignoring the fact that when you went to the hotel to get drunk or high or whatever it was you were doing. Uh, you were excited. Yes. And, and you saw a benefit in it. Your positive drive principle, your desire, your pursuit of happiness was driving use. That's ignored. So unless you address the front end motive and reasons why you have this deep preference, um, you're going to just continue down the same path, mystified, hoping that some sponsor or propped up recovery process stops you from doing what you want to do because you're ignoring the fact that you want to do it.
0: Yeah. Nobody gets on a motorcycle planning to crash. That's right. Nobody gets addicted to things they hate. Nope. Not ever. And they don't keep doing things. Most people, like it happened for me when I quit drugs six months before I quit drinking. Because I, I just didn't want to do it anymore. It was boring to me. It it was I just wasn't excited about it anymore. I kept drinking for six more months, very very heavily, and then one day I was
1: like, "I'm gonna try not drinking because I'm miserable." You know, that's a good point. I I never really thought about it. I don't think I've ever said that part of my story that I quit drugs. I quit cocaine, uh, June of that year. So uh, six months before mm-hmm. I quit drinking. Um, and it was easy. And, yeah. You know, in retrospect, after I quit drinking, I, I, uh, I realized that that was easy too. <laughs>
0: yes. When you look back at it, you're like, wow, that wasn't as hard as I thought it would be.
1: Yeah. Cause once you make the decision, once you've, you've realized that you're happier without it, it it's, it's literally effortless. Um, but getting there takes some, self-actualization you have to figure out why you like it and then challenge that and see if you can uh, be happier without it or using less um i think that the 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 riskiness factor um of of drinking and drugging some people will say you know i gotta quit because of the risks associated mm. with it i gotta do this because my, my health fit. yes yeah yeah and um and they factor in those, the, all those, those costs do factor in. So I want, I want to address that a little bit. So you have the risks, you have the, the costs, the consequences, the pain. Um, but pain is the sort of thing that's so obvious that you can't ignore it because it's awful. Ironically, we tend to forget the things that we enjoy. And so uh, it's important to, to know the costs, which is fine. Um, But not focus on them. Focus on the benefits of drinking and then challenge the benefits. And that's really what chapters 17 through 20 are all about. Um, But you have to figure out and be honest like in chapter 4 why you do what you do. And then there's all this content between four and seventeen that exists. And this person skipped it. Now they must have listened to a podcast where we honed in on four and seventeen. Probably. You know, probably. B- because they, they that's where we get the most questions. Um, because chapter four is where you figure out why you like it, all your reasons for liking getting blitzed. And then 17 through 20 is where you challenge that. But, but try to understand there's five through 16 that prepares you for that. And
0: let me, let me talk about each one really quickly. Um, chapters five and six are about, you know, debunking the idea that our trauma or stress or mental health issues and emotional problems cause heavy substance use. It doesn't. We fully debunk those myths in those two chapters. Um, and tell you why it's important to distinguish between having a causal relationship between those things and a reasoning that happens. Um, Chapter 7 is the positive drive principle. Chapter 8 through 10, um, for anyone that has been to treatment or that has spent any time in a 12-step program, that talks about your um, alcoholic addict identity. And getting rid of it. And getting rid of it because a lot of people think you know, I don't think of myself that way, but then they struggle. So clearly there's still some vestiges of that identity left. Um, chapter 11 is free will and mental autonomy. So it talks,
1: it delves more into the positive drive principle. And, and how you are a thinking creature and the fact that you are a chooser and always have been. And then chapter 12 and 13 are fun chapters because yeah, that's, they are. that's leaving the cage of recovery and success. Um, so now we're talking about what it means to move on, and we're preparing you now for moving on. This yes. idea that there's life after uh, recovery, there's life after addiction, there's life after this whole nonsensical idea of needing support and that sort of thing and and then that continues that theme continues with reclaiming your freedom and happiness um, but chapter 15 is a cool one called motivators versus deterrence so that that crystallizes the previous chapters and talks about do you want to see quitting as um, something that is you're feeling deprived or do you want to be motivated to move on with your life and I, I did not want to sit in recovery and be deprived of what I wanted. I wanted to challenge the benefits, move on, be motivated to move on, and then do that. I wanted to talk quickly about
0: chapter 15, because I used to hate that chapter for some reason. And now it's one of my favorites. And it's really about what are you, how are you trying to motivate yourself? And this is, it's an important chapter, because so many people think that they can they still if they reading the beginning of the book still think they can motivate themselves by the fear of the consequences yeah and so it shows you how to really reframe that into you know looking towards like looking at the benefits motivating yourself to make the change based on the benefits you see in
1: the change whether it's abstinence or or reduced use. I mean just imagine here's an analogy if you if you can picture two people standing out in a field. One person has a whip in their hand and they're whipping themselves in the back to move forward. And every time right. they whip themselves in the back, they take a step forward. That's that's fear of consequences. That's looking backwards giving yourself and saying, I need to keep it green. Like they say in a, I need to remember my last drunk so that I don't have another one. And they're cracking the whip and they're making themselves feel that daily pain. And then there's the other person that doesn't have a whip in their hands. They're looking at the horizon at the sunshine and they're just moving towards it. I mean, which do you want? One is motivated. The other is deterring themselves forward. Right. And and so that's that's how you need to look at this. Which model do you want to follow? The freedom model is moving on to the sunshine, being pulled forward by positivity. The other is whipping themselves forward, being deterred forward. Um, I, I. It's I pretty would, obvious. Yeah. <laughs> and then forging a lasting preference. That's self-explanatory. And then... Um, Questioning drug effects, obviously, 17, 18, the illusion of emotional relief. Uh, This is where we're challenging the idea that drugs have magical powers, um, how you've built them. And I, I, I use an analogy here. We're taking the bottle or the drug off the altar that we're kneeling in front of, and we're putting it down back in the liquor cabinet where it belongs. And we're devaluing the drug's effects. We're showing you that they actually don't exist the same way you think they do. And when you devalue the drug, you will not have a preference for it. I, I, there's a line in one of those chapters that says, a glass of gin
0: is no more like stress-relieving than a glass of milk.
1: Right. Or that's something correct. to that effect. That's great. Yeah, that's what it says. <laughs> yep. um, then we get into the benefits of adjusted use right of moderation so you can see moderation as beneficial if that's where you desire but notice where that is that's chapter 21 yes. We yeah two chapters from the end um we've we've ripped apart the mythology for 20 chapters before we get to that um and then there's the hidden cost which is a very brief chapter and and 23 is a happier vision which is freaking awesome Yeah. It's, it's, it's
0: being excited about your future and, and really, you know, envisioning, and you can do this right from the beginning. Um, if you, if you start the book and you can't envision at that point, um, being happier with one or two drinks, like, and a lot of people will say my life, I know my life will be better. That is entirely different than knowing in that moment when you're making that decision that you'll be happier. With a drink rather than ten, yeah, you know. Yep. So, so if you can't envision that when you start reading the book, then then abstinence at this point is the right way to go.
1: Yeah, it's just really hard, also, to retain the information in the book by being shit faced while you're reading it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just a practicality about that. So try to try to and and listen if you're maintenance drinking like I was doing what you might do is figure out what are the hours in the morning wh- before you take the first drink to get rid of the shakes or if you have to take a couple to get rid of the shakes and then you have a period where you can just kind of stave off withdrawal for a while, um, do that and read the book then. You know, you'll be clear-headed enough to get enough information in your head that it will start to motivate you and uh, for a bigger change. Maybe go to detox and move on with your life. They're just practical steps to stopping the chaos. Um, I want to end with a couple of, a couple of thoughts though. Um, if you're in that spot where you're reading the book and you just can't seem to get your act together, um, you may be like me where you need help and you just need a leg up with somebody else to help you. That's what we have free to model private instruction for. But yep. if you're, if you're actively in withdrawal and it's a real struggle, you may want to go to, to detox. We recommend Gallus detox, um, and then come to the retreat, you know, uh, and spend some time with us, two to two to four weeks, if you can, if you can get away from work or whatever, um, and we can show you all of this one on one. Michelle and myself can show you. Yeah. Um, now to keep going, we have then we have the appendices. I'm oh not gonna, yes. I'm not going to go through all of them because they're massive. It's it's. I'll just read them off. The myth of loss of control, the brain disease model of addiction. We destroy that myth. Uh, you are not brain diseased. Um, addiction isn't chronic or progressive, and uh, here's one that that's controversial: heroin and the myth of addictiveness. It's beautiful. It is. Uh, Stephen kicked butt in all of these. He did. <laughs> he really did. And then, and then, lastly, the last appendix, the last piece of the book, is what people can moderate if they prefer it. That's it. That's the key.
0: That I mean, that's what a lot, a lot of people. We have, we have a question. In the workbook that uh, that it's like, if somebody gets drunk every time they drink, do they prefer drunkenness over a mild buzz? And, you know, a lot of our students will be like, well, maybe... <laughs> know maybe they were trying to get a buzz and and I gotta call bullshit on that because I can remember and I I said this story yesterday in class I can remember there was many times where I would go out and I would say I'm gonna be the designated driver because I thought that that would motivate me to not go overboard and I'd be like I'm just gonna have two drinks and I can honestly say even when I was saying it I didn't mean it. (laughs) I saw no value in drinking two drinks. None at all.
1: The old adage, actions speak louder than words, is so cliched and trite that people uh, tend to dismiss that. Right. But, But your actions do belie the truth because your actions can only happen by thinking first. Right. So you have to think something, then you act. And the thinking makes the action happen makes the behavior or event happen so if an event happens like you drank a bottle of vodka the only conclusion logically that we can come to is that you decided to do that <laughs> you decided because you <laughs> believed there were benefits in doing it <laughs> right now now this is all in a podcast hard to explain because there's so many nuances to all of this stuff That we cover in the book. So uh, take your time with the book. Read a chapter. Reread the chapter. Highlight it. Write uh, notes in the margins. You know, study it. It's a self-help study guide on how to debunk and unbrainwash yourself, you know, to move on with your life. Uh, It's a big deal. It's a big deal. But look it. We put 31 years into this. We've helped more than 20,000 people get past this problem. And you can too. Uh, the odds are way in your favor if you have the right information and and while you're you're figuring this out, um
0: throw away the shame, throw away the guilt. It's not helpful. be kind to yourself um this this is some some tough stuff to figure out. this is you know when people will say to us like you, you're just telling me I should just quit and I'm like, you know it's not just quitting. we've said this before it's like, this is a, a decision. You have a long-term relationship with alcohol or the drug that you're using um, that is a very personal relationship. It's not different than um, leaving a long-term relationship with a human being um, in, in some respects. So it's if this is something that's become a huge part of your life, and especially if you've been in recovery and you've taken it as an identity, um, this can be some really, you know, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. And that's why the book is as long as it is.
1: That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, well I
0: think we covered it. And I hope that this was helpful to everyone. Um, if you want of the book, if you're just listening to this podcast, and you're like, oh my God, how do I get that book? Um, you can get a free digital download on our website, which is thefreedommodel.org. Uh, enter coupon code freedom 100 at checkout pick the freedom model for addictions or if you have a loved one you can pick the freedom model for the family Um, both of those you can get for your mobile device
1: and it's freedom 100 at checkout and if you want a paperback copy uh, of freedom model for addictions or freedom model for the family go to amazon or any a bookstore online, and now they're being carried in Barnes and Nobles in your neighborhood.
0: Yes, which is so exciting. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. If you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or other habitual behavior, or you want help breaking free and moving past recovery as well, you can reach us at 888-424-2626 or through our websites thefreedommodel.org and soberforever.net. Soberforever.net provides you detailed information about our residential retreat, the St. Jude Retreat. Thefreedommodel.org is our hub and it has a ton of free resources and information, including videos, these podcasts, free eBooks, and information about our at-home private instruction program. Digital editions of our full program books, The Freedom Model for Addiction, The Freedom Model for Family, are available on that site as well, as I said enter coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout to get either of those books. Follow us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and subscribe to the Freedom Model YouTube channel. We also have three private Facebook groups. We started for people to discuss their experiences breaking free from addiction and perpetual recovery. These private groups, if you enter them, um, nobody on your friends list will know that you're in them. They will never see anything you've posted there. Um, It is completely private. Um, They are the freedom model group moving beyond addiction and recovery and families moving beyond addiction and recovery. And if you need detox, you're ready to do detox, whether that's from alcohol or benzos or opiates, or even methadone or Suboxone, you can call our friends at Gallus Detox. That's G as in girl, A-L-L-U-S detox.com. They will help you from everyone here at the freedom model. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.